boy DM3. You're listening to the Buffalo Blitz Podcast, exclusively on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Buffalo Blitz Podcast, hosted by Peter DiBiase on the Built in Buffalo Network. And we are joined today by a very, very special guest, Ryan Talbot, writer for the Syracuse Post-Standard, as well as the host of the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. Ryan, I appreciate you coming on the program today. Hey, thanks for having me on. Guys, you guys are going to be listening to this Friday morning, obviously on the Built in Buffalo Network, and you guys can check out all our episodes, not just the Buffalo Blitz Podcast, on YouTube Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Everything will be in the description and as well as all his Ryan's social medias if you guys want to check him out. And I know most Bills fans know who you are, Ryan. But I want you to come on. And I know that everybody's heard my thoughts on last week's episode, last Friday's episode on our free agency and what we have done. But obviously, I want to, they want to hear your thoughts. So I want to kick it off. And obviously, most people are going to start with this. Devon Miller signing the six-year $120 million contract. I just want to know your initial thoughts and just a breakdown of that contract. Yeah. And that initial thoughts, uh, just, just something that needed to be done. Uh, as close as the bills have been the last two years, they have not had that presence of an edge rusher that can take over a game at times. And even though you're talking about a pass rusher, that'll be 33 here in the near future. He's still someone that can turn it on, get after the quarterback, make big plays. We saw that in the Super Bowl of this year with the uh, in the Rams victory over the Bengals. So, so he he does give Buffalo that impact uh, that they've sorely been lacking. And you know, there's always that sticker shock when you see the initial signing, six years, 120 million dollars. But it's always important to wait to to read the fine print, so to speak, because it's initially just a three year deal. And if the Bills win one Super Bowl over those three years, it's worth every single penny. No, I completely agree. And I've had friends of mine and just people on Twitter talk about the six years. And I agree. And I talked about this in last week's episode that it's a, yeah, you're right. It's an essentially a three year, 52, $53 million contract with basically an out after three years. And then obviously an out after each year as a contract keeps going, which kind of, it kind of changes the game of the contract, which you just alluded to. Yeah. And, and you know, if, if you actually look at Buffalo and what they've done in free agency, I, I really like it because Von Miller, you sign him for three years and you revamp the defensive tackle position with Daquan Jones and Tim settle for uh, on two year deals, but every other signing that they've made so far in free agency have been one year deals. Uh, you know, Saffold, Jordan Phillips, uh, Shaq Lawson, Jamison Crowder, OJ Howard, Duke Johnson, the list goes on and on. Uh, they're all one year. I don't want to say fillers because they're guys that can be very important contributors on this team. They, they can play big roles uh, in helping Buffalo get over the hump. But these are not contracts that are going to necessarily hurt. Well, they can't hurt the Bills long term. Like I said, they're, they're just one year. So if OJ Howard is not a fit in this offense, and I think he can be a very good fit. I'm just using him as a hypothetical. Then he's off the books after one year. And, or if it works the other way, then you can resign him in season. Uh, Brandon Bean's really smart about how he structures these contracts, knowing full well that pretty soon Josh Allen's number is going to balloon up there. And you're going to have other guys that you have 
uh, signed long-term on, under, you know, uh, under contract for the next few years and their numbers are going to start ballooning a little bit too. So you have to be smart with, with how you fill in some of these spots that uh, have been, you know, left available because of players that have left in free agency players that are still out there, maybe, you know, considering retirement, like an Emmanuel Sanders. So I do like what the bills have really done so far in free agency. No, I completely agree. And I love how Brandon Bean structures those contracts and it's kind of sticking with free agency. What was your, like, is your one free agent signing, not the Von Miller, because obviously that was the most talked about and rightfully so, but one free agent signing that you kind of, you looked at and you're like, this is going to be the best value. And we're going to see instant production week one in the season for a pretty low cost. Is there, was there one signing that you, that kind of came to mind when you thought of that? Yeah, Tim Settle. Um, I was a bit, I've been a big fan of Tim Settle. I wrote in 2020 uh, an article on why the Bills should be interested in trading for him at that point in time. This was, and at that time, obviously, he was even younger than where he currently is. He's still only 24 years old, so a very young player in this league. He was just buried on the depth chart in Washington uh, behind two guys that they drafted in the first round. Yet, he was so good that they had to rotate him into the lineup. Uh, so he's an impact player. He's someone that can play the one technique, three technique. I think he's going to really fit well into this rotation. He's going to help up front. Uh, he's stout against the run. He has some juice as a pass rusher. I think that that's a guy that um, I, I do think that people talked about him after the signing, but I think he's someone that's going to be a real pleasant surprise for some Bills fans that maybe weren't following free agency as closely or were just kind of monitoring the big splash names like the Von Millers. Tim Settle is a guy that can really play at a high level, and I think he's going to be a great asset for the Bills. I completely agree. I'm a Virginia Tech football fan for college football, so I've watched I watched him settle for a couple of years and obviously watched him in Washington. I think, yeah, I agree. I think our run defense obviously was up and down last year, and obviously fans want to point at that, but Tim Settle and Daquan Jones, kind of a couple big boys up front, over 300 pounds, which I think the Bills kind of needed and kind of completely lacked, so I completely agree on the Tim Settle. Was there any free agent signing that maybe not a head scratcher that you're just not, you're not sold on when you look at it. Uh, you know, Shaq Lawson, I guess. And that's a tough one because it's not like the bills broke the bank to bring him back. He, he was worth signing for, for what he's coming back for. He's not guaranteed a, a roster spot by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it's been a few seasons since he's done anything in this league. And yes, he, he does fit into this defense when he left Buffalo and he signed a three-year $30 million contract with the Dolphins. It was because he was stout against the run and he was uh, improving as a pass rusher every year, but Miami didn't work out. Houston didn't work out um, his stints with those respective teams. And, and now he's back here in Buffalo and he's in a defensive end room that obviously includes Von Miller. Then you have your young guys. You have your Greg Rousseau, your Boogie Basham, your AJ Apanessa. Uh, and you want to get those young guys their snaps. So maybe, you know, maybe they move on from one of those guys. And if, if it was one of those three players, it would probably be Epinesa. He's been here the longest. Uh, but they're all still young players. I don't think they want to give up on any of them per se. Uh, but maybe if there's interest somewhere else in this league to move up in the draft, whether, you know, it's on day two or day three, whatever the case may be, wherever they could move someone like that. Um, so be it, but uh, yeah, Shaq Lawson, I'm just not sure how he fits into this room. They obviously love the rotation. They do like having depth. 
Uh, but he's the only one where I said, ah, I don't know if he's going to make this roster. You look at Roger Saffold, he's going to improve the offensive line. I already mentioned Settle. Daquan Jones is a force. Jordan Phillips really played exceptionally well in this defense, and he he does something even from the perspective of firing up the fans, firing up his teammates. There's that emotional aspect. O.J. Howard, I, I like that signing a lot. Um, flashed early in his career, 11 touchdowns in his first two seasons. And, you know, the last few years with Brady, Gronk, Godwin, Evans, he did, he wasn't as targeted. Crowder's a, a, a buy low, you know, little risk involved, very productive when he's healthy. A uh, history of lower body injuries, though. And then Duke Johnson, in, in terms of being a J.D. McKissick um, type of player, he's shown in his career that he can be very productive as a pass catcher. He didn't necessarily do that this past season in Miami, but I like that signing too. So, uh, and then other than that, you're, you're talking more bottom of the roster guys in, in Markwell Lee and uh, bringing back like Butker and re-signing Taiwan Jones. So, you know, I guess if I had to pick one player, it would be Lawson. No, no, that completely makes sense. And obviously as Bills fans, we love seeing guys that were formerly on the team, obviously Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips come back and those two come to mind. But the like you said, the DN room is super deep, and it's not super deep with old guys outside of Von Miller. It's super deep with young guys that the Bills have invested in a first round pick and two second round picks in. So obviously, like you said, Empanetta could be the odd man out, but it would be tough for the Bills to swallow that pill. Um, only a couple years into that contract, and, and him being a second round pick. So I do see Shaq Lawson. Not saying he's going to get cut, but the potential maybe not odd man out, but it could be the odd man out kind of flipping towards the offensive side of the ball on free agency. And this is probably the last thing we talk about on free agency. Do you think the bills officially solidify their starting offensive line going into the start into the year with the Roger Saffold signing, probably going to play left guard and then bringing back Ryan Bates to play right guard. Does that sound like, does the offensive line to you sound like Dawkins, Saffold, Morse, Bates, and Brown? Or is there something else we see in the draft or anything else in free agency um, pertaining to the offensive line? No, I, I think that's it. I think that's your starting five. And I think that's a really good starting five. Uh, I'm expecting Saffold to play left guard as well. That said, he did mention that uh, he's open to playing, you know, the other guard spot as well. He, he's very good though at left guard. I think you'd want to try him there first, see how, you know, see Bates at right guard and go from there. Uh, but you know, they, they definitely solidified their line. They helped themselves. Does that mean they're going to avoid offensive line or interior offensive line in the draft? No, I, I would hope not. Uh, Roger Saffold is going to be 34. Uh, he's only under contract for one year, even though you you have Ryan Bates under contract for four years after matching uh, Chicago's offer sheet. There is still limited film on him and tape. Uh, obviously, the Bills would know better than anyone, though, what, what they have in him. He's been on roster for quite you know a few seasons now, so I'm sure they're confident in uh, that he's going to be worth every penny of that deal. But I would still be day two, early day three, adding a guard to this lineup, adding someone that can compete for a depth role as a rookie and maybe push for one of those starting jobs in year two. So definitely not done. But, yeah, I, I do like the starting five on paper as of right now. No, I completely agree. And last thing about free agency, are the Bills, do you think in your mind, and obviously there's still maybe a hole or two on the Bills roster, not a lot of holes on the roster, and then obviously not a lot of cap space 
to kind of work with if you're being are the bills done in free agency because the main thing you see on twitter and just in conversations with people are we going to add a veteran corner because obviously we lost Levi Wallace, Trey White's coming back with that ACL injury. We don't know his timetable. And obviously Tyron Johnson is a slot corner or a nickel corner. And you really don't want to roll out Dane Jackson, I guess, to start the year. Do the Bills, and I think they're going to add one in the draft, either in the first round or in the second round. That's just my hunch. But are the Bills done in free agency, you think? Or is there still one potential one move that you think the Bills could still make? Yeah, I still think there's a move to be made at cornerback. Listen, Patrick Peterson yesterday went on his podcast and announced he was re-signing with the Vikings. Uh, but in that conversation, he mentioned that the Bills are talking with his agent at one point. Now, you know, it wasn't very specific. That could have been at the start of free agency. Uh, that could have been weeks ago for all we know. But they're looking. They're at least considering bringing in a guy because you don't know where Trey White is going to be at in terms of uh, health percentage. Uh, and come September, is it going to be 100%? Is it going to be less than that? Realistically, probably a little less than that. Uh, do you trust Dane Jackson to be your cornerback number one over that stretch of time? I, I would think not. He's flashed at times, but that's putting a lot on his plate. So you look at who's out there. You have Stefan Gilmore. He's not coming back to Buffalo. Uh, his wife actually pretty much squashed that idea on social media when she said, I'm not going back any place where I've already been that being Buffalo and New England. So you can kind of scratch those teams off of, of the list. Joe Hayden makes sense for a stopgap one-year option. I, I believe he's 33. Uh, Steven Nelson, another name that's out there. Buffalo was reportedly interested in Nelson last year. He makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and then there's other guys that I, I like too. Xavier Rose, I feel like he's only had one bad season in his entire career. Um, and the rest of it's been you know pretty solid, pretty good. Uh, there's guys that you can buy low. There's some risk reward there. Uh, that would be like a Trey Waynes. He signed, he was, he signed a two year deal with uh, Cincinnati a few years back, but he's been played with injuries in those two years. Pretty solid. Um, before that, when he was in Minnesota, you have Kyle Fuller who is coming off of a, out of a down year. There's AJ Boye who's worked with uh, Buffalo's defensive backs coach. So, uh, and even Robert Alford, I, I know he's not a flashy name. He's someone that is better fit to play in his own defense, and the Bills play a lot of zone. So th there are options to be had out there. Uh, and maybe the Bills sign a player right before the draft. We've seen that happen the day before the draft, the week of the draft, where they add a veteran, and it doesn't mean they're going to go away from that position by any stretch of the imagination, or simply – um, they'll wait until after the draft. And at that point, after the draft, a lot of these players, some of their values will go up a little bit, like a Gilmore, if he was still out there. Obviously, he's the premier guy on the market, and a team that maybe missed out on a cornerback might pay a little bit more for him. But some of these other guys are going to be, you know, man, I need to get on a team. I need to get on a roster. This team, this team, and this team all address cornerback in round one, round two. Uh, so it works both ways. I think the bills, the longer this goes on, the, the cheaper the options are going to be. I believe Peterson's deal, for instance, with Minnesota was a one-year, $4 million deal uh, that has like a, about a million dollars in incentives, if I read that correctly, if I remember reading that. Um, so you're already starting to see the price tag come down. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, and I'm kind of on the mindset that I want the Bills to take either, and this is what I think you kind of alluded at, corner in either day one or day two, an early pick at corner, and then bring in a veteran guy either like a Joe Hayden, a Steven Nelson, those two, and Xavier Rose, those three guys kind of 
kind of do the do the trick for me because you bring in a veteran guy, you have Trey White coming back, obviously Trey White's Trey White, and then you still have Dane Jackson, who the Bills like, and you're not asking him to be the day one, uh, the number one corner, and you have a rookie that you took in either the first or second round. So that means you instantly just created a ton of depth at corner by making two moves. And I do, I do see the bills. I do see the bills. I agree waiting a little because why not wait? There's a ton of guys that are kind of similar skill set or similar value. There's no point of maybe overpaying for a guy at this point, because you get closer to the draft. These guys are going to be like, you know what? We probably need to start signing or even after the draft depends what the bills do. Cause I've read, some things that the Bills could take uh, a corner after the draft, and then you see that price drop completely just fall. And I think that that would be a smart move, and I completely agree with you. Yeah, and listen, I've clamored for the Bills to address corner early in the draft for a few years now, and the board just hasn't fallen that way for them. Uh, but when you have a, a big money contract in Trey White, if you can find the opposite starting cornerback and have him on a rookie deal for four to five seasons – that's big for a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl that can have a uh, cost-controlled contract like that at a premier spot on the defensive side of the ball. And, and you know, hypothetically, let's just use Joe Hayden. If you have Joe Hayden, he, he's not the Joe Hayden in his prime. He's obviously a step or two steps slower than he used to be. Uh, but imagine mentoring a young player and you have Joe Hayden on your roster, you have Tredavious White on this roster, you have a, a great safety duo that's going to help that young player when he is on the field in terms of protecting him, making sure he's not beat over the top for, for these big gains. The way the secondary is built, it, it would be very beneficial for them to bring in a young guy in round one or round two this year, especially. And, and like you said, I think that's going to get done. You mix it with the right veteran who can kind of help teach that play of the ropes along with Trey White and, and the Bills are going to all of a sudden uh, be set up at that position for the next few years between white sad rookie. And then obviously Dane Jackson, who has really flashed at times when he's been on the field. No, I completely agree. Kind of shifting over towards the draft as we move past a little free agency talk. If you were going to bet and if the draft was tomorrow morning, for some reason, if it was tomorrow morning and you had to look at the board and you had to like choose one pick at, in the first round and it was like not what you wanted but what you thought the bills would do with that 25th pick what what do you think tomorrow morning the bills would do at 25 uh they're not going to be pressed into going cornerback but i i think it would come down to wide receiver or cornerback and it would truly be who is the best player on their board at that point in time now at 25 uh obviously if they don't make a move from there you're going to miss out on sauce gardner you're probably going to miss out on Derek Stingley Jr., although there's been whispers of him falling down the draft board a little bit. If he gets anywhere close to 25, I think the Bills would be wise to move up and try to make a play for him based on uh, the, the tape that's out there on him. He's really he, – he could be a superstar at cornerback if he reaches the ceiling. But realistically, he's probably gone at 25. You might be – um, Andrew Booth Jr., he might be off the board at that point, too. So you could be talking about the fourth best cornerback. And that's where it gets, you know, it gets a little dicey. How high up is that player on your board compared to, uh, you know, whatever, even if it's the number four wide receiver out there, uh, that could be Jamison Williams. And, he, you know, he's a star when healthy. I think that would be a good pick for them. There's Burks. Um, there's Olave. There's so many guys in this draft class 
uh, that, that I could see the Bills absolutely loving at wide receiver in round one falling into their lap. So if I were to, to narrow it down to one position, I'd pick wide receiver. No, that makes complete sense. And going back to that cornerback, I do think we stay put at 25. Obviously, we, we don't know if they will or not. Sauce Garner, Derek Stingley, and Andrew Booth Jr. I think all three of them will obviously be off the board. And you would think, you never know, the draft falls in very weird ways. But from like just reading mock drafts and reading stuff, you would think those three guys would be off the board. And then you're kind of picking, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, because I think the Bills could be high on one of these four guys. And I think the next four guys would be the Roger McCreary, Kyle Gordon, Trent McDuffie, or career Elam. And I think, do the Bills rather wait in the second round or third round for a corner? Because there's some talented second and third round corners that I have on my board that I like. And it's the receiver class is super deep as well. So I think both classes are very deep. And I agree. I think whoever the Bills have on the board at 25 is the highest prospect, either in a corner or receiver. I think you just take one of those and you just move on and then take whatever you didn't take in the first round in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Brandon Bean, like I said, he sticks to his board uh, and he, and he's done that time and time again since being here in Buffalo. And I don't anticipate that changing anytime soon. Kind of uh, sticking, obviously, on the offensive side of the ball for the draft and running back's been a hot topic. Obviously, Derek, uh, Derek Singletary, Devin Singletary is in a contract year. They brought in Duke Johnson, but that was that's not a long-term option obviously for the bills and then zach moss has probably been a little a little disappointing and i'm trying to be nice for what we've seen so far in buffalo do the bills take a running back and i know a lot of people talked about Brees hall in the first round i'm never on board for a running back in the first round but you could take a james cook or brian robinson as Amir white in the third or even the fourth round is that do you think that's a possibility for the bills yeah, I think the day two, day three, early day three range is, is the sweet spot if you're going to address the running back position. And listen, maybe Brees Hall will end up being the guy in round one at pick 25. I, I would say never say never to that because um, Brandon Bean, you know, a few years ago called Christian McCaffrey a sleep easy at night pick, meaning when he selected him high in the first round, he was with Carolina. He had no reservations about that last year around this time. He talked about the fact that there are running backs still in today's NFL that are worth first round picks. And he alluded to McCaffrey and Delvin Cook uh, and um, Alvin Kamara and a few other players that I'm, I'm blanking out enough the top of my head. But he still believes there's value in, in the running back position. And even last year, the Bills were linked to Travis Etienne for yeah. so much of the uh off season that i wish we could have seen what would have happened if he would have been on the board when the bills were on the clock because even he said uh, a week after the draft in a video with jacksonville i thought i was going to buffalo so either he believed all the rumors and the whispers that were out there or the bills made a promise to him or he felt the bills had legitimate interest so this would not be the first time that the bills have shown interest in, in a potential running back in round one and I'm not saying they've, they've necessarily shown that in, in Hall, but he is the you know the top guy uh, on on the boards in terms of mock drafts and who you see potentially going in round one. So I guess I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I feel like running backs for the most part are a dime a dozen, but if you get the right guy, if you get a Delvin Cook or a healthy Christian McCaffrey or a healthy Saquon Barkley type player in your backfield, that does change the dynamic of your offense. It does make you more dangerous. And there's a little bit of explosiveness to Brees Hall's game. So 
maybe that's something that Brandon Bean and the Bills scouting staff sees, and they they do like that. You know, time will tell. No, I I completely agree. And this is kind of just stick with the running back. If the Bills do and end up taking a running back at twenty five, if that's Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, it doesn't really matter. Does that mean the end of do you, do you believe that means the end of Devin Singletary in Buffalo? Because obviously he's on a contract here. And if the Bills just spent money or uh that draft pick on a first round pick at running back position, does that mean Devin Singletary's kind of career in Buffalo comes to an end? No, I don't think that necessarily. I thought he was running really well at the end of the year. I thought he he put together a very strong campaign in, in 2021. Uh, if anything, it'd probably be Zach Moss that could be out the door. And I know he's still a young player, but you mentioned he's been a little underwhelming. Uh, there was talk last year in training camp that if he had was not a, a day two draft pick, he would not have made that team last year because he looked so underwhelming to some of the media members that were regularly in attendance for those practices. So uh, I think if the Bills do address running back early, it's Zach Moss that would be on the bubble. Despite having a very team-friendly contract, uh, he, he's found himself in the doghouse a, a few too many times. He hasn't been that impact as a runner. Uh, there's a lot of hype about him being that player that you could run inside the tackles, that could break tackles, make plays. And we just haven't seen that or enough of that to warrant keeping him on this roster uh, if, if there was a numbers game, so to speak, at that position. One final one final draft question before I have one more quick topic and then we can wrap it up. If at 25, if it's not a running back, if it's not a receiver, it's not a corner, we had to take a bold prediction of like what position the Bills could maybe shock, shock all Bills Mafia that they would take at 25. Like if there's your one position that like because we can never never know what Bean's gonna do. And Bean does some crazy stuff and a lot of the time it works out. So the Bills just go completely bold and not take what most people think online is going to be a receiver, a corner, and just go crazy with a D end, a D tackle, something like that. Do you see that? And if that was to happen, who do you? Th- what kind of position do you think it would be? Defensive tackle makes a lot of sense because there are some really good players that are going to, you know, be there borderline uh, end of round one or maybe be a day two pick. There's a guy like Travis Jones out of UConn that I really like. Uh, that would make sense there. But if, if we are going old. Maybe they address the safety position, and, and that sounds crazy because you have Jordan Poor, you have Micah Hyde, uh, but they're also getting up there in age. So if there's the right safety that's on the board and, and you feel like this is someone that can be a star in your defense and kind of the passing of the torch, so to speak, uh, if you're asking me to pick a position that I think would be bold, it would be the safety position. Oh, that's super interesting. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton's not going to get to 25, but you have Daxon Hill, you have – Lewis Chin, like those two guys could be absolute studs, or you could take a safety even in like in the round three and kind of mm-hmm. have him develop that year one because the Bills don't have a ton of holes where they need guys that are going to draft that are going to have to play um, legit snaps right away. You take a guy in the third round and then you kind of develop him and then he turns into that future starting safety. So I think that would be awesome. And D tackle if Jordan Davis or Devontae Wyatt are there. 25 that is such a especially jordan davis that is such a hard pass if i'm being and thank god i'm not making those decisions yeah and listen both of those guys initially were were players that i thought the bills would be in on jordan davis had just such a great both of them actually i shouldn't even say just jordan davis both of them had such a great combine you can you combine that with their production at georgia i would be surprised to see if either of them fell to 25 but if one of them did 
I, I wouldn't be shocked if Brandon Bean raced up. You know, you know, you don't run the card up anymore, but making the call almost immediately to make that pick because those are game changers. Those are game records. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, uh, Daquan Jones is under contract for two years, but he's 30. Uh, you, you do have Tim Settle, but they love depth of that position, too, at defensive tackle at Oliver. Uh, and company so it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world eh, if one of those impact defensive tackles were still on the board if the bills went that route no i completely agree so we're going to kind of conclude our draft conversation i just want to before we let you go ryan one final quick question obviously the new bill stadium was announced uh this past week i just want to know your initial thoughts just on the new stadium announcement yeah, I, I think it's exciting. I know there's a lot of people, uh, maybe maybe not Bills fans, but there are people that are complaining about the price tag attached in terms of the public funding, uh, things of that nature. But, you, you know, the way I look at it is how many millions or billions of dollars are spent, spent every single year where we have no idea where they go or what's, you know, what's done with those, uh, with, with that money. At least in this case, you know that it's going to build a new stadium for the Bills. The Bills are going to be here for the next 30 years. Uh, Buffalo is going to make millions or Western New York is going to make millions off of said stadium. Um, so it's going it, to, I'm not going to say it's going to even out because it's a lot of money coming out of public funding, but in terms of government spending and where money goes, there, there's a lot of times where you cannot pinpoint how much money goes where on a given year, on a given time. So uh, like, like I said earlier, there's always that sticker shock, so to speak, but, uh, it needs to be done. And unfortunately, in today's NFL, a lot of the times the owners aren't footing the bill. They're not paying the majority of it. Uh, they're able to get a lot of money from those cities or threaten to leave said cities. We've already, you know, we've seen teams do that. We saw the Rams lose St. Louis within the last you know decade. We, we've seen the Raiders leave Oakland for Las Vegas. And you can obviously go way far or way further back to Cleveland losing the team for a few years when they became the Baltimore Ravens. It, it, it happens. It happens in the NFL. It's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, this is an ironclad 30-year deal that keeps the Bills in Buffalo. And I think, if anything, that's something to celebrate uh, because this fan base deserves to have an NFL team, uh, obviously, in my opinion, forever. But uh, with the way things work in the NFL, you, you just never know. Completely agree. 30 more years, or obviously starting in 2026, but 30 more years of Buffalo Bills football in obviously Orchard Park, but in obviously Western New York. I think that's the, the main takeaway. You can obviously go back and forth with the money, and obviously it's a lot of public funding, but having the Bills here for another 30 years or guaranteed another 30 years, I think that's the one thing to celebrate. And Ryan, I appreciate you coming on the Buffalo Blitz podcast on the Built in Buffalo Network. Where can our listeners, or where's the best place for our listeners to find you? Yeah, you can find my work on nyf.com and syracuse.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Talbot Bills. And then you can find the uh, Shout the Buffalo Football Podcast and all your favorite uh, podcast platforms. But we also go live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. So there's a lot of ways to uh, watch us live in a video format, but also listen back to us if you can't catch us live. Guys, you guys heard the man. I appreciate you, Ryan, coming on. And, guys, this was the Buffalo Blitz podcast hosted by Peter DiBiase on the built-in Buffalo Network. You guys can find this 
episode every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode, and hopefully you guys have a great weekend and enjoy the rest of your week. Until next time, I'll see you guys next Friday. And this was the Buffalo Blitz Podcast on the built-in Buffalo Network. Thank you.